and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Black Line Fiscal Year 2021 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press the start and the one key on your touchdown dial phone. If you call operating systems, please press start and zero. I would now like to end the conference over to your speaker host, Barry Hutton, from the Blue Shirt Group. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, and thank you for your participation today. With me on the call is Mark Huffman, Chief Executive Officer of Blackline, and Mark Pardon, Chief Financial Officer. Before we get started, I would like to note that certain statements made during this conference call that are not historical facts, including those regarding our future plans, objectives, and expected performance, in particular our guidance for Q1 and the full year 2022, are forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. These forward-looking statements represent our outlook only as of the date of this call. While we believe any forward-looking statements we may make are reasonable, actual results could differ materially because the statements are based on our current expectations as of today and are subject to risk and uncertainties including those stated in our periodic reports filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission, in particular our Form 10-K and Form 10-Q. We do not undertake and expressly disclaim any obligation to update or alter our forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as required by applicable law. Also, unless otherwise stated, all financial measures disclosed on this call will be non-GAAP. A discussion of why we use non-GAAP financial measures and information regarding reconciliations of our GAAP versus non-GAAP results is currently available in our press release, which may be found on our investor relations website at investors.blackline.com or on our Form 8K filed with the SEC today. Now I will turn the call over to Mark Huffman to begin. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to discuss our record performance in Q4 and 2021 and review our plans for 2022. I'm very pleased with our Q4 results, which represented a strong close to a year of increasing demand and consistent execution from the team. Our Q4 performance came in ahead of our expectations as we earned total revenue of $115 million, up 20% over the prior year. On a macro level, we continued to see strong demand across global markets from all customer segments as both new and existing customers continued to invest in back-office digital transformation. We see a significant opportunity in front of us and plan to invest in the long-term growth of our business. We previously outlined three areas of focus to better serve our customers and drive our growth. In Q4, we continue to execute against these three priorities. Customer engagement and success, platform innovation and expansion, and growing our international presence. A few highlights from the quarter include Our renewal rate finished the year strong at 98%, and our net dollar retention rate continued to climb to 109%. We were pleased with this result. The increase was driven largely by the strong levels of demand from our existing customers for our strategic products, our investments in customer success, and execution from our go-to-market teams. Our strategic products, which include accounts receivable automation, Intercompany Hub and Transaction Matching finished at 32% of total sales for the quarter, which was a new record and well above our expected range. Sales from our SAP Solex partnership finished the year with one of the strongest quarters since its launch in 2018. At the end of 2021, our SAP partnership revenue made up 25% of total revenue. We are pleased with the partnership's pace of ramp and its momentum going into 2022. Sales in EMEA and APAC continued to help drive our revenue growth in the quarter. As of year-end 2021, international revenue reached 30% of our total business, 
up from 26% a year ago. This increased share resulted from accelerated investment in our global partner ecosystem and go-to-market capacity. Additionally, the SAP partnership and the Remilia acquisition we completed in late 2020 helped us further penetrate both new and existing global markets. Some examples of international selects and accounts receivable deals include the following. In the fourth quarter, we added a large multinational beverage company in EMEA through the Solex partnership. They were looking to Blackline to help them automate their manual spreadsheet-based accounting processes and remove complexity in managing global audit compliance. This Solex deal also replaced a competitor solution. Another exciting fourth quarter deal came from an existing enterprise customer. This global multi-billion dollar media and advertising conglomerate has been a Blackline customer since 2013 and has leveraged the financial close suite to help accelerate their financial close and automate their journal entry process. This quarter, they scaled their Blackline platform deployment by adding the cash application and AR intelligence to provide much-needed aggregated visibility across business units and improve unapplied cash levels. Today, we provide our customers with more capabilities than ever before. Our 2021 product priorities included platform modernization and scaled public cloud deployment. We are in a leadership position in our market, and we continue to have a heightened focus on measures of operational excellence such as controls, quality, security, and uptime. In 2021, we were also focused on bringing new products and functionality to market, such as an upgraded user interface, a mobile user experience that has driven more journals adoption, and a complete suite of AR solutions, just to name a few. We believe this pace of customer-focused innovation is why our customers view us as an indispensable partner to the controller's office. We've made platform enhancements and recently closed an important strategic acquisition that will offer expanded solutions to our existing financial operations management platform. During the quarter, we announced our enhanced accounts receivable automation platform. This suite provides traditional cash management automation along with credit and risk management collections management, dispute and deductions management, as well as AR intelligence. As an example of the scale of the platform, we have a global logistics company that apply 8 million payments, representing $6.2 billion in 2021, and is projected to apply 22 million payments by the end of this year. The relevance and timeliness of accounts receivable automation drew record demand in our marketing events and sales pipeline, which contributed to the strong quarter in AR customer sales. In January, we announced our acquisition of 4Q, which represents another important expansion of our platform capabilities. With 4Q, our expanded intercompany financial management product will help multinational companies reduce intercompany complexity and design and govern global tax strategies. I'll discuss this acquisition more in just a moment. As part of further developing our financial operations management platform, we've also formed strategic partnerships to help companies accelerate their finance transformation. Through our agreement with Microsoft, we are collaborating on joint selling actions and solutions integrations to help mid-market and enterprise-sized customers gain control over critical areas such as their financial close, accounts receivable, and intercompany accounting processes. This partnership will offer a better customer experience with enhanced connectivity and integration. And recently, we announced an expansion of our partnership with Google to conduct joint selling and go-to-market activities designed to accelerate the customer journey to digital finance transformation and modern accounting. Notably, we believe this agreement will better enable our customers to deploy Blackline solutions built on Google's secure cloud platform. As a result, customers will be able to easily integrate data and automate traditional manual accounting processes 
and offer more capacity to free up time and resources to do more strategic work. Last year, we continued to emphasize our commitment to customer success. During the year, we hosted several events and activities for all of our 3,800-plus customers, including some of the largest enterprises in the world, to guide them on their unique path to financial transformation. Our subject matter experts with deep accounting and black line expertise offer leading practices to adopt modern accounting. These experts meet customers where they are in their journey and provide a path to greater adoption and automation. This is done through one-to-one coaching sessions and one-to-many optimization workshops. Both methods help customers to automate end-to-end accounting processes like amortizations, accruals, subledgers, suspense and clearing, just to name a few. Our customer success program ensures a greater platform adoption, resulting in higher rates of retention and expanded use of our strategic products. One of our greatest opportunities to focus on customers is through our annual user conference, Beyond the Black, which we hosted in November. This conference provided three days of content and educational sessions to further prove the power of our platform and customer success. This year's event had significant customer engagement from over 19,000 virtual attendees, representing over 5,700 organizations, both prospects and current customers. Of note, during the conference was the level of participation and interest in large digital transformations driven by our product vision for financial operations management, which resonated with our customers and prospects. And we were very excited to see the level of increased customer interest in our intercompany financial management sessions, which drew thousands of attendees with four times more individuals than the previous year. Intercompany financial management is an especially attractive market for Blackline. The global trends of increasing M&A, trade, and involving tax regulations create large volumes of complex intercompany transactions. We launched our intercompany hub solution over five years ago to provide valuable solutions in this area. Yet we've only just begun to reach the total addressable market in intercompany financial management. Over the past several years, the market has continued to evolve, and in the recent quarters, we've seen momentum building in this part of our business. Our recent acquisition of 4Q, which we announced January 27th, is a great example of our commitment to expanding our platform and investing in the long-term growth. I'm very excited about this deal and what it means for Blackline's future. The acquisition of 4Q builds on our recent success and is complementary to our existing capabilities. It expands our team by adding over 130 employees to the Blackline family and increases our value to the broader office of the CFO. By integrating our existing solutions with 4Q's capabilities, we will further reduce complexity and deliver several benefits to customers, including optimized tax and transfer price modeling, reduced foreign currency risk, enhanced regulatory compliance, rapid M&A integration, and our unmatched domain expertise. Since announcing the deal, we've received favorable feedback from our customers that are looking for additional solutions to resolve their intercompany challenges. As I look back on 2021, I'm pleased with the progress we've made on our strategic initiatives. As we move into 2022, I'm excited about the recent trends in the market, and I'm very confident in our team, our ability to execute, and our positioning. We are in the early innings of a large, growing market, and we're seeing the demand for digital transformation across the back office continue to expand. Our focus will be to continue to serve our customers, accelerate growth in our combined markets, and scale the business to support our expanding reach. We remain committed to executing our multi-year strategy to drive long-term, sustainable growth and advancing Blackline's position as a market leader. 
I'll now turn it over to Mark Parton to discuss our financial performance and our financial outlook for 2022. Thank you, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. As Mark mentioned, we are very pleased with how we finished the year. 2021 was a year of solid performance, and we feel good about our opportunity for 2022 and beyond. During Q4, we continued to execute on our business plan and generated strong results across key financial and business metrics. For the full year 2021, total revenue grew 21% to $426 million. In the fourth quarter, total revenue grew to $115 million, representing 20% growth compared to the fourth quarter of 2020. Led by sustained success in our international markets, our continued ability to close large and strategic deals, the ongoing productivity of our partners, and further expansion of our existing customers. In addition to Mark's comments earlier, highlights for the quarter include, we added 121 net new customers in the quarter, bringing our total to 3,825 uh, new customers that continue to adopt our solution to reduce their operational challenges. We showed strength in the enterprise market by signing a record number of large deals with the help of our partners and by leveraging our strategic product portfolio. Partners were involved in 88% of large deals in the quarter, showcasing the power of our valuable partner ecosystem. And revenue from our SAP partnership totaled 25% of revenue, up from 24% in the prior year, maintaining the positive trend of this relationship. In Q4, Non-GAAP overall gross margin was 78%, and subscription gross margin was 82%. For the full year, total gross margin was 80%, and subscription gross margins were 84%, which is within our targeted range and reflects the ongoing transition of our customers to the Google Cloud and increased investments in ramping our customer service and success activities. In Q4, we generated non-GAAP net income, attributable to Blackline of $4.8 million. We generated $22.1 million in operating cash flow and $15.3 million in free cash flow. Net income was impacted by our ramp in targeted investments, as well as a one-time charge related to the cancellation of sales and marketing events resulting from the pandemic. We finished the year with approximately $1.2 billion in cash equivalent and marketable securities. Over the past several years, we have consistently improved our net income, achieving operating leverage across all areas of our business. In 2021, we earned a non-GAAP net income margin above 8%, which was an increase from 1% in 2017. We achieved this while increasing strategic investments in our customer success, technology, product roadmap, and integrating the Remilia acquisition. During 2021, we saw the demand environment for digital transformation across the office of the CFO continue to accelerate and build momentum. This favorable market environment offers us a unique opportunity to invest in accelerating our long-term revenue growth rate and advancing our leadership position. Given the market opportunity in front of us, we intend to make targeted investments in our go-to-market team our public cloud infrastructure, and the integration of our recent acquisition. The impact of 4Q to overall revenue in 2022 is not expected to be material, but it will be dilutive to our overall margins in the year as we ramp our investments to support the integration. We are expecting to see a return of travel and in-person events in 2022, and while this remains uncertain in our overall business globally, Modeling the cost at this point gives us appropriate flexibility as the year develops. The Q1 net loss guidance includes the ramping of investments, the normal step-up in annual operating expenses driven by salary increases, payroll tax reset, and annual kickoff events, plus the dilutive impact from the 4Q acquisition and its related costs. We expect to generate operating leverage and additional margins throughout the year as we execute on the top line. Turning now to guidance, our expectations for the first quarter of 2022 include total gap revenue is expected to be in the range of 119 to 120 million. 
representing 20 to 21% growth compared to the first quarter of 2021. On the bottom line, we expect to report non-GAAP net loss attributable to Blackline in the range of negative six to negative four million dollars or a loss of 10 to seven cents on a per share basis. Our share count will be approximately 59.2 million diluted weighted average shares. For the full year 2022, we expect total GAAP revenue in the range of 520 to 525 million dollars representing 22 to 23% growth compared to the full year 2021. On the bottom line, we expect to report non-GAAP net income attributable to Blackline in the range of 5 to $7 million, or 8 to $0.11 cents on a per-share basis. Our share count will be approximately 63 million diluted weighted average shares. In closing, I want to thank all our Blackline employees for their effort and hard work in 2021. We had a strong finish to the year and continue to see healthy customer demand as more and more companies scale and invest in their back office digital transformation. We're excited to continue to support customers in that journey by expanding our platform with our 4Q acquisition. As we head into 2022, our strong customer demand and platform momentum gives us the confidence to continue to invest strategically in our long-term growth as we build on our, our innovation our market leadership, and pursue the attractive growth opportunity in front of us. Now, I'll ask the operator to open the discussion, and we can take your questions. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. To ask a question at this time, you will need to ask, you will need to press the start and the one key on your touchstone telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Now, first question coming from the lineup. Matt Stadler with William Blair. You want to open? Uh, hey, thanks for taking the questions. Um, I guess, you know, first we'd like to you know, maybe dig into the, uh, the 4Q acquisition a little bit more. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, very interesting in terms of the, uh, you know, kind of specific, uh, additive capabilities that you mentioned. Um, but we'd, would like to maybe, you know, better understand how it complements, uh, what you have, uh, you know, with ICH and maybe some of the, the, you know, kind of key things that, that are additive there or if it's meant to, you know, replace some things that you had previously offered with ICH. Uh, and then, um, you know, obviously with ICH, the, uh, the rent there has been relatively gradual over time. Um, you know, high, high value in terms of, uh, you know, value add for, for customers, but just given the sales process, the number of stakeholders, et cetera, um, it's been kind of gradual to layer in. And how would you expect for you to contribute going forward? Yeah, thanks for the question, Matt. Uh, I'll start this maybe broadly. <clears throat> Intercompany accounting. Uh, we, we believe there's a large uh, space. TAM is large. It's strategic to us, and it's a great greenfield. Hence, our investment several years ago that you referenced in intercompany hub. Those com- uh, transactions are complex, and they go on in some of the largest, most complex uh, accounting landscapes in the world. And a lot of it is still done very, very manually. Um, it, to, to really simplify the sort of additive uh, value of it, uh, Blackline, uh, very closely coupled to what we do in the financial close, helped identify and then remediate the transactions that were, let's call them out of balance or broken, that uh, got created in intercompany accounting. Um, 4Q uh, started at the very opposite end of the challenge in the creation and planning side of transactions. So as you think about this complex landscape that has significant tax implications, significant foreign exchange implications, transfer pricing and regulatory concerns, they are upstream focusing on the planning and creation of transactions that flow through the entire accounting process. We were really focused on identifying those transactions remediating and then completing the close. And we think these two things are um, highly complementary, and our customers will uh, be the significant beneficiaries of this uh, in the future. That's that's super helpful, and I appreciate the color there. Um, and maybe one uh, for uh, other Mark on, on gross margins. Um, you know, subscription gross margins took another, you know, little bit of a step down in the quarter. I know there's a bunch of things going off from an investment perspective, especially with the move to, you know, GCP and all that. 
Um, maybe just touch on, uh, just refresh us on some of the dynamics there, get an update, and then how would you think about that as we move through 2022? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, our gross margin finished the quarter 78% had been uh, trending in that direction related to two things. We've been talking about it for a few quarters, and that's related to our investment in the Google Cloud. Uh, we believe that was about a one- to two-point impact. And then similarly, investing in our customer service and success team, ramping that effort uh, as our company and our product mix, um, you know, moves forward. We think that those were really well-received investments uh, with our customer base. In the Google Cloud migration, we think that's another 18 to 24 months. We'll see the impact of that in 22, similar to where we finished up the year. And um, longer term, uh, confidence in our ability to return back to uh, a gross margin in the 80 plus percent. Very helpful. Thanks again. You're welcome. Our next question coming from the line of Matt Bentley with BTIG. Yeah, thanks for taking the question. Um, I, I guess first, um, Mark Parton, can you help us understand kind of what the, the revenue contribution is for 4Q that you're building into um, the guidance and then how much of a, uh, I guess, compression on margins is that expected to have over the year? Yeah. Um, so I'll start by saying that our guidance philosophy for 22 is uh, very consistent with what we've done in the past. We feel uh, confident that we can execute in that range in 22. The impact of 4Q, the transaction was closed in January. We'll start to see it as early as Q1 and through this year. Uh, impact to revenue, we estimate included in our guidance between one and two points. And at the bottom line, it will be dilutive uh, to the overall company for the full year as we invest and integrate the business. Okay, helpful. And then as you look at the international growth, I know, um, you know, you've made a lot of investments both with direct uh, go-to-market team and expanding a lot of the partnerships there. Where do you feel like you're at in terms of um, the, the overall investment cycle? Are we at a point now where the returns from the last couple of years sort of self-fund the additional uh, growth going forward? Are, are we still in maybe a, a final investment year um, to the point of, of continuing to ramp up that growth and continuing to see the, the success you saw in the fourth quarter? Yeah, um, international is one of the areas that we've been really excited about for the last uh, 12 to 18 months coming out of the pandemic. It lagged the U.S. Uh, slightly, but then has really started to get back to the pre-pandemic levels. It's a growth lever that's been driving our overall growth. Major markets in uh, EMEA and APAC, where we operate today, uh, consistent with our partner ecosystem like SAP and, and some of the consultants that are helping drive business in those markets, our investments in our Japan partnership early on that after uh, a period of time is now starting to come online. So we will continue to invest there, and the return continues to be great for us, and we think that there's opportunity in those markets to keep driving, and therefore we'll keep accelerating. In fact, in 2022, one of the major areas of investment for us is in capacity and in uh, sales and marketing around our international markets to, to invest into that growth demand that we see. All right, great. Thank you for taking the question. Our next question coming from the line of Joe Mears with Tourist Yelena Feldman. Hey, thanks so much for taking the question. Um, last quarter, you guys noted that the customer engagement team was above 100 in headcount, and with your increased investment initiative here, I was wondering if that grew sequentially, and then just more broadly, how are you guys doing with hiring across the company in the currently tough hiring environment? Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, I'll start with the hiring um, uh, bit, and you know, going back to customer success, it's an area that we continue to invest in. We think it's really important um, in the near-term operational metrics. The net revenue retention should reflect, um, you know, how we're investing in those areas. Uh, obviously, our uh, retention rate and the account growth, having people 
um, get better usage and learn about additional use cases will affect the future um, performance of our strategic products. And in this particular quarter, it was a very strong strategic product. So there's all sorts. So we'll continue to invest there. As far as overall hiring goes, um, we I, I believe we were um, we're not immune to the Great Resignation. However, uh, I think we fared better than many companies. Our brand and our culture, our strengths for us. Um, overall, I believe last year our headcount grew by about 18%. And in the, as we hit in the very tail end of the year, we were accelerating that through the investments that we plan to capitalize on the demand environment that we're seeing right now. That's super helpful, uh, especially the, the color on the acceleration, so thanks for that. Um, kind of a more a question about international. Uh, what's the game plan? Can you just remind us of the game plan to expand in APAC and how that may be similar or different from the strategy that you've used uh, to expand your presence in EMEA? It's not dissimilar um, to the strategy that we've used in EMEA, with the exception, you know, if we include our Japan business in there, that's obviously a partnership um, that uh, we're really, really pleased with the progress that we're seeing in Japan. We've recently added leadership, uh, proven leadership in the, in the APAC region that I think is going to help benefit us in terms of scale. But it's a, uh, it's a mix of our growth initiatives, which include Solex, very performant for us in Asia Pacific, uh, land and expand uh, motions, utilizing uh, now the modern accounting playbook in some locations, and then investing in customer success and uh, things that drive enhanced usage, which should bring the tail of uh, and drag in strategic products. And um, like, like we've mentioned, the international growth overall is uh, accelerating, and we're pleased with the performance in uh, our investments in those areas. Thank you. Our next question coming from the line of Alex Clark with Raymond James. The line is open. Great, thanks. I had a couple questions on 4Q as well. Um, Mark Parton, first, does that one to two points of revenue contributions factor a deferred revenue haircut? It, it does. It factors in what we uh, think the impact uh, at this stage in the year, what we think the impact will be in our guide. We put one to two points uh, in that number. Okay, great. And then, Mark Hoffman, the, the way you were describing the 4Q solution uh, seems like it's a product that can really help outside of the traditional financial close period. Can you talk about that controller ship opportunity kind of outside of financial close more broadly and then your kind of growth rate expectations for 4Q? Well, uh, first of all, I hope you can sense I'm excited about the opportunity. I um, Just, you know, again, starting with the the space itself, how strategic, the large orders that we see, and just how uh, much help that we can provide to some of these organizations who suffer through these high-risk areas. Um, the uh, it, They come with an existing pipeline of opportunities, and we've been really, really uh, aware of the fact that people might be confused uh, in in what our offerings are traditionally within our company hub uh, versus what their 4Q offerings were, and we are finding them very complementary and getting great uh, feedback. So we have, um, I would say, ambitious plans, but understand that we'll take time to communicate the value of the joint solution, work through creating a really seamless and highly scalable experience for our customers that leverages both the plan and create side and the remediation side of the entire intercompany space. Okay, great. Thank you. Our next question coming from the line up. Andrew DeGasper with Berenberg Capital. Your line is open. Hi, this is Ali Asbeen on for Andrew. Thanks for taking our question. Um, so we were wondering if there's room for the relationship with SAP to even further improve particularly as that company continues to execute in its rollout of its cloud-based ERP solution? Well, it, we were having a little trouble with the audio, so I hope I'm getting this right. The, the questions regarding SAP and Solex, 
Um, it, uh, one of the best quarters that we've had in the relationship uh, since inception, um, highly performant for us, um, an accelerating growth engine for us, um, adds um, some benefit to our international expansion, which is driving um, the uh, performance that we've seen as a greater share of our revenue. In addition to that, it has uh, led to some of the net customer ad strength that we had in a strong quarter. And then the other big attribute of the quarter was a um, strong larger deal contribution, uh, which is also on the back of Solex. So highly performant uh, relationship for us right now. Great. Thanks. Sorry about the connectivity issues. Now, next question coming from the lineup. Josh Beck with KeyBank. Elon is open. Hey, this is Maddie on for Josh. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I have a couple and then a follow-up. Um, Modeling-wise, I wanted to know how you're thinking about NRR trends throughout the year in 2022 and then what type of macro and sales cycle assumptions you're embedding into guidance. Right. Yes. Thank you. Um, let me start with sort of the first, uh, uh, sorry, the latter part of that question around the macro environment. You know, we just to take a step back, we we have seen now six quarters of increasing demand in our space, and uh, heading into 22, uh, we believe that 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 uh, demand is continuing in our conversations and the strength that we see in our pipeline and and um, our. Um, are really positive on the demand curve that we see across our sort of global markets. Um, our our guidance philosophy has always been uh, practical, pragmatic. That we want uh, to be able to execute within the range, within a high level of visibility, and then execute through the year uh, on that guide. And we've done that similarly. Um, I think your uh, second question was about. Uh, the um, dollar-based net revenue retention rate, which is actually accelerated um, uh, a bit quicker than we had even expected. We were really pleased with a strong fourth quarter, and we got that uplift from um, record sales of our strategic products into our base, a record of uh, user sales into our base, and really um, strong momentum. Our view is that our investments in the customer engagement and success uh, efforts in the account management team and the go-to-market team, our expansion of that product portfolio gives us um, more levers than we've ever had to raise the profile within inside our customers and drive that uh, net dollar retention rate. And all of that continuing to be built on a uh, high retention rate of 98%, a renewal rate of 98%. And so as we move forward, we, our goal is to invest to drive that rate. And um, prior to the pandemic, it was up above where we are, and we think we can continue to move it up. Awesome. And, yeah, just my follow-up, could you describe a bit about the demand environment for back office um, digital transformation compared to pre-COVID levels specifically between, you know, mid-market and enterprise customers? That's strong. Um, I believe in Q4 we were talking about it exceeding pandemic levels. And uh, it's now been six quarters of an increasing demand environment. Um, and uh, the, I believe that is why we had uh, a record quarter. And most all of our initiatives were very performant for us in the quarter, primarily because of the demand flowing through our systems. That's in mid-market, uh, where our messaging and our deliverables are resonating, as well as in larger organizations, and increasingly a large focus in the demand environment on things like intercompany, which, again, we're very excited about the incremental nature of this acquisition, as well as our opportunity ahead of us in 2022. And if I could just sneak one last one in here, um, what has the reception been so far on AR automation, um, and what kind of market synergies are you seeing with the Romelia acquisition? 
Yeah, great question. I appreciate you asking that. For some reason, with all of the other excitement, uh, we forgot to touch on that. Very performant uh, AR automation. It's in the strategic products performance that we had in Q4. It's uh, well above the high end of the range that we usually expect. So we're pleased with the performance of that business in the year, especially in Q4. Uh, it's leading to new customer lands in mid-market and enterprise segments. It's also leading uh, to uh, the cross-sell that we're seeing within the black line uh, customer install base. And it's also uh, starting to drive pretty significant transaction volumes. And that's a great indication of the value it's creating for uh, large organizations. Thank you, very helpful. Our next question coming from the line of Red Weasley with Piper Center. Your line is open. Hi, this is Marlon for Brent. Thanks for taking our questions here. Uh, so one thing that stood out here is a bit of a ramp-up that we saw in your go-to-market and R&D spend during the quarter. Um, it would be really helpful to get some more color on what kind of initiatives you're investing behind on those fronts and then maybe what kind of what the pace of investment we should expect going into the rest of this year. And then I'll have one follow-up. Right. Yeah, thanks for the question. And you're speaking of Q4. We ramped our uh, R&D sales and marketing investments, a choice we made as we moved through the year and into Q4 as we saw the demand increasing in uh, all areas of the business and, and um, put some wood behind the arrow, so to speak. In um, in as we described it, it is international capacity. It's sales hiring and capacity around the globe, including in the U.S. and customer-facing teams. When uh, the pandemic hit, we were more inclined to hold our hiring and sales flat during the decline in demand. And then as it started to pick up, we started to accelerate that investment um, out of Q3 and into Q4. And in, as we move into this year, we've talked about that being included in our guide. Additionally, we've made investments in the um, R&D efforts and into the Google Cloud migration. All of those on track, and those investments will continue into uh, 2022. Got it. Yeah, that's helpful. And then as it relates to the revenue from strategic products, um, you know, it's quite notable to see it jump up to over 30% of the mix. And we're just wondering, is that – a signal of a trend that we should expect to see continue going forward, or is that more of a deviation from what you'd expect to be the norm? Thanks. Right. Well, it's certainly a spike uh, in the quarter when you have that kind of record performance so above the range. When all three of the four products operated at record performance, uh, AR, transaction matching, and intercompany, it, it is indicative of what we've been seeing in the demand environment that we've been uh, discussing. Uh, for the full year, the strategic products ranged or, or were approximately 23% of our sales. That was up from the prior year, up from the prior year. So we would expect on an annual basis that these will continue to increase. Those are the investments that we're making uh, into our business and into that portfolio. Um, but on a quarterly basis, it will vary. Our next question coming from the line of Tinjolin Bora with J.P. Morgan. Milan is open. Oh, great. Hey, um, congrats uh, on the quarter. Um, seems like a good bookings quarter from what I hear. Um, I wanted to dig in into the Microsoft partnership. Um, how should investors think about this uh, this opportunity around the partnership and and uh, any any preliminary feedback that you're hearing from customers? Uh, it's a real recent announcement that we've made. We also announced a Google uh, partnership as well. Very similar things. Co-selling arrangements uh, primarily uh, focused on mid-market and enterprise companies or the divisions and subsidiaries of enterprise companies. Microsoft continues to have great traction, brand, and reach in that space. Uh, it'll also allow us to further develop technology synergies to allow our systems to better interoperate in a complex accounting uh, technology landscape. Way too early, uh, and I don't expect um, 
material uh, impact in the next couple quarters, but I think it'll be something that we should pay attention to as we round the year uh, on uh, our performance in sort of the Microsoft ERP landscape. Yep, understood. Okay, thank you for that. Um, uh, another question on NRR. Um, it's, we saw a nice sequential uptick. Um, could you maybe parse through that? Uh, was there any kind of a tailwind from the normalization of spend from existing customers? And the second part to that is, as you fold, uh, I guess, Remilia, uh, since you have lapped it now, is there anything to remember in terms of the effect uh, of Remilia uh, being layered on top of NRR? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last question, but let me talk about the drivers of uh, the uh, retention rate. Um, when, when um, prior to the pandemic, we were at a, around 110 to 111%, and then the pandemic dropped that down. And for the last several quarters, we've had three quarters of sequential increases uh, to get back to where we are. The drivers of that are the investments that we're making into our customer success and account management teams that are really focused on uh, our customers' journey uh, to to uptake and, and, and buy into our strategic products. And so that's been one of the great growth levers that's moving that needle. Another one is we've had a couple record quarters of user expansion now, also coming from global rollouts within our customer base. And then all of that on uh, a, a higher price uh, lever. Every year we have annual price increases within our customer base. And we also have a very high um, renewal rate particularly in the enterprise. And so that's been the driver and will continue to be so with the strategic products also giving us some uplift. Got it. Uh, the other part of the question that, that I think you uh, misheard or didn't hear is, is Remilia. Wouldn't Remilia kind of layer into net retention going forward, and does, does that have any uh, good or bad effects? Oh, yes. Uh, great question. Yeah, you were right. I heard the first part of this that we, in the fourth quarter, we lapped the Remilia acquisition, and so you can see that in the comp numbers year over year. And Remilia now, or our Blacklines uh, cash and AR automation solution, has become part of our strategic portfolio, and that's being sold into our base, and that gets calculated into that retention rate and is now driving it. And we saw that in Q4 with the record performance from Remilia. When we bought the company, we talked about the impact and growth being in the second year and beyond, and that's pretty much what has happened. Understood. Okay, thank you. And our next question coming from the line of Koji Kenna with Bank of America, Milana Sovereign. Hi, this is Tanika on for Koji. Thanks for taking our question. Uh, we were hoping to gain more color on the competitive landscape, what you're seeing out there, specifically as mid-market and international demand for finance and automation increases. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no material change in the competitive landscape that we see. We still continue to see uh, some level of competitive takeaways that we're able to perform, uh, but primarily it's companies coming off uh, unsustainable and manual or spreadsheet-based environments that they're working in. Um, we continue to focus on expanding the capabilities of our platform, the, our AR capabilities, now our enhanced intercompany capabilities. We feel like expands our moat, gives us more capabilities than anyone else in our space. And uh, although the market demand, I believe, is likely filling many boats, a lot of the value is accruing to us as the leader in the category. Thank you. Thank you. Now, next question coming from the line of Rob Oliver with Baird. He let us open. Hey, yeah, thanks. Uh, this is Ravik on for Rob. Uh, so I had a question on uh, just following on the mid-market. Uh, so the product uh, map, uh, just wanted to get a sense of uh, – uh, where it's kind of really gaining traction, uh, what's really going well, uh, what's not, uh, so some color on that. Yeah, um, mid-market 
uh, was performant last year in the quarter. I believe a lot of it driven by great leadership and the efficacy of our approach, the modern accounting playbook. It's a well-worn path for uh, controllers and CFOs of mid-market companies who want to drive not only uh, visibility but automation into their accounting landscape. It uh, delivers a very quick time to value and very specific use cases that we believe are the best use cases to land a new customer with to put them on a path of continued expansion. It's the per, uh, it's pervasive in our mid-market sales. Uh, the delivery uh, is um, being very well executed, and we're getting great feedback from customers on the value it's creating for them. Got it. Really helpful. Thanks. And just one quick follow-up uh, on the SAP. The SAP contribution came in at uh, the higher end of your typical range. It's 25%. Uh, international, super strong. Uh, so just wanted to uh, get a sense of uh, uh, regarding SAP, what are the kind of drivers uh, around the pipeline? Uh, there, if you are kind of seeing some bigger budget type of deals uh, kind of uh, related to digital transformation as, as opposed to just accounting and so forth. Sure. I, I should start off because I think part of your question was about the success, traction, and drivers in the SAP Solex program, which is now – uh, in that reseller partnership with them, about three years old. And um, in Q4, we saw a continuation of a trend where we believe that SAP uh, as a partner is really on trend and on traction with us. The uh, programs from the RISE initiative a year ago to the efforts from our direct sales and, and customer training um, uh, efforts have really paid off. SAP Solex has, has continued to validate the partnership, which are large, strategic, global deals, sometimes in the markets where we operate and sometimes outside of those markets and bringing us uh, customers that we um, would not have seen without them. We operate at a very high level, most of the time in a digital transformation project, and that gives us not just a great strategic partnership, but a great long-term lifetime value customer. So that that um, fourth quarter with SAP has been one of our best, and we're, we believe this um, trend can continue into 2022. Got it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. I'm showing it. I'm not showing any further questions at this time. I would now like to send a call back over to Mr. Huffman for any closing remarks. I want to thank you all for attending today and your interest and support of Blackline. Um, we're very pleased to show, share the results of a record quarter and our vision for the future and like to continue the precedent set by our founder and encourage you all who follow us to refer us to your portfolio clients so we can help give them a great experience. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't go conference for today. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.